0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 354 of the Locked On New Year Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Today's episode of Locked On New Year Rangers is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you that song you were hearing is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today, what I had planned to do coming in, and we're still going to do this, but we're going to do a variation of what I originally planned. The initial idea was that we were going to take a look at every single name that I've been hearing that might potentially be in the running to become the next coach of the New York Rangers. And the reason why we're now going to end up splitting this over two episodes is because there's just so much to get through. I want to take my time with every single candidate, give you guys uh, my thoughts as well as just a brief overview of every single candidate. And when I sat down and started kind of taking notes on some of these guys and you know, figuring out what I wanted to talk about and you know looking at everybody's body of work, etc., 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 what I realized was that Yeah, this is too much for one episode, and I especially realized that when I began kind of taking notes on John Tortorella, because as you guys know, he's already been the Ranger coach. Technically, he's been the Ranger coach twice, because uh, a long time ago, in his very first coaching gig ever, he was the interim Ranger coach for just four games. But obviously, more uh, notably, he was the Ranger coach kind of at the beginning, rather the end of the uh, 2000s and into the early 2010s, and... Really an up-and-down tenure, a very interesting, very noteworthy tenure to say the least. John Tortorella, somebody who's kind of a lightning rod everywhere he goes. And like I said, there's so much to cover here, everything from his complete track record to his personality to whether he'd be a fit for this team or not to, once again, his first tenure as head coach of the New York Rangers. I just realized we're not going to get through all that stuff in one day. So without wasting any more time here, let's just go ahead, dive right into John Tortorella. The only other thing I'll say right now is that—a little bit of a spoiler here, but I mentioned this in a previous episode as well—my top choice to become the New York Ranger head coach right now is going to be Jared Gallant. I think that uh, he's the best fit right now. I think he's most deserving of uh, you know getting another chance as an NHL head coach. I mentioned that, like I said in a previous episode, we are not actually going to be talking about him today because he's another candidate that I want to spend a lot of time on. And like I said, we're going to be spending a lot of time on John Tortorella here. But I wanted to start with Torts because, again, you know, he has a track record with the New York Rangers and... Very polarizing figure. I think whether you are on board with the idea of Tortorella getting another crack as Ranger head coach or you're against it, I'm sure everybody listening to this, ever since the news that David Quinn got fired, you've at least considered this option, right? John Tortorella is a name that has popped into just about everybody's head at one time or another here, especially given that he is now, of course, no longer with the Columbus Blue Jackets after spending six years as the bench boss of that franchise. But as it pertains to John Tortorella, I will admit it's very intriguing And I do believe there are a lot of worse options out there. Uh, Some of the names that I've heard, I'm not into at all. Tortorella, I mean, I would at least consider it. But I'll be totally honest with you guys. I'm not really feeling it because Tortorella is a handful. And I feel like he may not be the best guy to lead this young team into the future. He tends to be very old school. He tends to go with a defensive style. I mean, do you guys really want Capo Caco's main objective out there to be throwing himself in the way of every single slap shot? I don't. And another thing... You know, a critique that I had of David Quinn that I think a lot of you guys probably had as well, I feel like at times he was a little bit too trigger-happy when it came to benchings, and it got to the point where players might have been a little bit afraid to make a mistake under David Quinn. And you don't want guys out there who are skating around and just worrying about making a mistake. They're a young team. Mistakes are going to happen. Just as long as you learn from them, I think it's fine. But if you think that players were afraid to make a mistake under David Quinn, they will be petrified to make a mistake under John Tortorella because he's tough, and uh, you can go back and find any interview about John Tortorella. You can find any you know clip of him between periods, talking to his players. You know The Rangers and Flyers, many years ago, they participated in the Road to the Winter Classic, so there were a lot of behind-the-scenes look at the Rangers and the Flyers, and Tortorella was, of course, the uh, coach of the Rangers at that time. Man, he's tough on these guys. One miscue, you're going to be on the bench, and you're going to be down to the fourth line in the next game, and... I feel like, you know, just going by his last tenure with the Rangers, once you kind of lose his trust, it takes a while to get back into his good graces. But another reason that I'm kind of against it, I'm just going to say this, I think Tortorella is a little bit overrated. You know, he probably isn't as good of a coach, at least if you just go by his record, as a lot of you might think that he is listening to this. Because for his career as a head coach, John Tortorella, this is his record. He's got 673 wins, 541 losses, 37 ties and 132 overtime losses. And for the purposes of what we're doing here, for me to kind of make my uh, point, let's ignore the ties for now and just look at the wins, the losses, and the overtime losses. Because if we combine Tortorella's losses with his overtime losses, he's got a record of 673 victories and 673 losses. Exactly 500. And I don't know. I mean, that's Not somebody to me, if you just look at the record, that you have to jump out of your shoes to hire, and it's someone who might not be worth all the considerable baggage that he brings to the team as well. Uh, He has an extremely volatile relationship with the media. We've seen that time and time again, and not just with the Rangers, with basically everywhere he's been with Tampa, uh, the one year that he spent in Vancouver, and these last six seasons with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He and Larry Brooks, in particular, do not have a good relationship. They had a pretty memorable exchange back in 2010, and he told Larry Brooks, you were probably beat up at the bus stop most of the time. And that's not very nice. And I mean, look, it is what it is. You know, Tortorella, he's just not a fan of the media. He doesn't like talking to the media. But I think if you're Tortorella or anybody and you're a head coach in this league, it doesn't really do anything to help yourself or to help your team if you're constantly just clashing with everybody. And if you act like every single question that you're asked is the stupidest question you've ever heard in your life. I think you could just stand to respect the fact that these guys have a job to do. They have to ask him these questions and understand the fact that you know more about hockey than we do. Like, Like, I would say that to John Tortorella. If I somehow eventually get media access and I'm able to, you know, talk to these players and these coaches and interview them through Zoom or actually in person at Madison Square Garden, look, John Tortorella, yes, you know more about hockey than I do. That's why I'm asking you the question. That's We're clarifying, you know, why did you put this player on a certain line, or why did we do this, or what are you seeing from this guy? We are trying to understand better what you understand so well. It's what's led you to become a successful coach in this league and led you to become a Stanley Cup champion with the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2004. So, yeah, I mean, that's just one thing. But he's also clashed with his players on multiple occasions. He will occasionally throw certain players under the bus. And that's another thing. You know, if you do all of these things, if you clash with the media and you're just a total hardhead and you clash with players and you get results and you win championships or you at least have your team in the mix to win a Stanley Cup year in and year out, then that's one thing. You put up with the headache. But again, we're talking about a coach with a 500 winning percentage, and that's taking the ties out of of the equation here. So is it really worth it? I mean, that's my question that I would pose to everybody. And just to dive into a couple other incidents that he's had, you know, going back to his time in his tenure with the New York Rangers, he, in the playoffs one year, this is an incident that really kind of stuck with me, but it's the 2009 playoffs, the Rangers are the seven seed, the Capitals are the two seed, the Rangers in this series get up three games to one, so obviously off to a great start, in Game 4, Sean Avery was on the team at the time, and he did something really stupid. I think it was after the whistle, and he ended up uh, taking a minor penalty with, I believe, the Rangers protecting a one-goal lead at the time. So it was a really dumb, undisciplined penalty by Sean Avery. I mean, it's Sean Avery, so you take the good with the bad, and it just kind of is what it is, but what was John Tortorella's response to this? He bent Sean Avery for Game 5 due to this incident that Sean Avery had in Game 4. Now, keep in mind... It was a bad penalty, yes, but the Rangers held on and they won that game in Game 4 to take a 3-1 to series lead. In Game 5, Tortorella benches Sean Avery and, you know, healthy scratch. He's not in the lineup. Somebody who was having a strong playoff series up to that point. So, just to send a message, which I get it, you're a coach, you have to send a message at certain times, but I don't think this was really the time to do it. He takes an effective player off the ice... And then what happens in Game 5? The Rangers lose, and not only that, but Tortorella himself was suspended because he got into it with some fans behind the Ranger bench. They were heckling him. He throws a water bottle at them. He grabs a stick from Aaron Voros and tries to spear the fan through a space between the glass. And what happens? John Tortorella is suspended by the league for Game 6. So after you discipline your own player and take him off the ice, and make yourself a weaker team for Game 5, now you've done the same thing that you just suspended your player for, and you're suspended for Game 6. So, I thought that was a really bad look for Tortorella at the time, and as it turns out, the Capitals did indeed win Game 5, they did indeed win Game 6, and they did indeed win Game 7, and they win the series. They come back from three games to one. So that was not a good look for John Tortorella at all at that time. We're going to keep talking about Tortorella. Like I said, there's a lot to get through. I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface here. And obviously when it comes to Torts, you know, I mentioned a couple of the reasons I'm against this, but Tortorella, he did have some success here with the New York Rangers. He did get the best out of a lot of players. And we're going to be talking about some of the good that Tortorella did in his first tenure with the Rangers in just a second here. Today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Wealthfront. Stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone team up with Wealthfront instead. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to Wealthfront.com slash NHL. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R- ONT.com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. All right, so I did want to get into some of Torts' more positive attributes and maybe even some reasons why he could be a fit for this Ranger team and why he could be a head coach for this franchise going forward. Again, there are options that I like better, but I think Torts is at least worthy of some consideration here. Uh, He spent four and a half seasons as head coach of the New York Rangers. He joined the team in 2008-2009 in the middle of the season. At the time, he was five seasons removed from winning his first and to date only Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Our old friend Marty St. Louis was on that team with John Tortorella. But Torch replaced Tom Rennie, and Tom Rennie did a nice job for this Ranger team, I think he was underrated as a coach. Uh, we had Jason Strudwick on the show not too long ago, uh, actually, well, a couple of months ago, I suppose. But he played for the Rangers under Tom Rennie, and you know he spoke very highly of him. And Rennie did a nice job. You know, the Rangers. I remember coming out of the strike season. The Rangers were expected to be, by a lot of analysts, the worst team in the NHL. And they weren't. You know, they were. They ended up finishing sixth place in the Eastern Conference. Tom Rennie did a nice job leading to the playoffs. They were swept by the Devils in the first round. But a team that overachieved for at least a spell under the direction of Tom Rennie. Unfortunately, Tom Rennie, uh, his tenure with the Rangers, came to an end, like I said, in the middle of the 2008-2009 season. And he was replaced by John Tortorella. So Tort spends, like we said, four and a half seasons With this team, he amasses a record with the Rangers over that time of 145 wins, 115 losses, and 29 overtime losses. Ties were no longer a thing by then, they had gone away. But uh, again, you know, you combine losses with overtime losses and you look at uh, his total record with the New York Rangers. He won 145 games as head coach of the Rangers. He lost 144 games as head coach of the Rangers. So again, basically a 500 coach, uh, but that's not to say he didn't do some good things because he did. He took a team that was floundering that season in 2008, 2009. I think he uh, really kind of instilled some toughness in some of these players. They were able to scratch and claw and fight their way into the playoffs that year, although they did lose in the first round of the postseason as the eight seed to the top seeded Washington Capitals. The season after that, his first full season as head coach of the Rangers, the Rangers missed the playoffs. 2010-2011, 2010-2011, they made the playoffs, but they lost in the first round once again to the Capitals. And then in 2011-2012, this was his most successful season as head coach of the Rangers. The Rangers had the best record in the Eastern Conference with a mark of 51-24-7, and, and they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals that season. Unfortunately, they fell in six games to the New Jersey Devils, who went on to lose in the Stanley Cup Finals to the Los Angeles Kings. And then 2012-2013 turned out to be John Tortorella's last Season as head coach of the Rangers. They lost in the second round of the playoffs to the Boston Bruins and after that he was on his way and A.V. took over for the Rangers but Tortorella, one thing you can definitely say about him is he is going to demand the absolute best from his players on a night in and night out basis. He's very tough. He's a disciplinarian and I mean it is a little bit of a weird thing to go from a disciplinarian in David Quinn to even more of a disciplinarian in John Tortorella but again, you know, he's going to push these guys. I think Tortorella probably works better with a young team than he would with a veteran team simply because I think if he's the head coach of a veteran team and guys who are Putting together uh, Hall of Fame resumes and guys who have been in the All Star game multiple times, and he comes in and he basically just kind of runs them into the ground and is extremely tough on them. There could be a little bit of a pushback from those veteran players. But when you've got a locker room full of mostly wide eyed young players like the Rangers would have, guys who are very impressionable, I think they're going to get the message and they're going to get the directive from John Tortorella that they got to bring their best every single night because if they don't get the job done, he will replace you with somebody who will. So he's definitely got to hold guys accountable. I definitely do like that aspect of John Tortorella. And we saw this season, you know, a recurring problem for this Ranger team was that they would get off to some slow starts in the first period. And there were, I mean, look, this happens from time to time. There were games where, you know, they would get off to a slow start, but then they would find their game, you know, eight or 10 minutes into the action and they would get it together fast enough to, you know, come away with a win by the end of the night, but with John Tortorella, I get a feeling the amount of slow starts that the Rangers get off to is definitely going to decrease. I also get the feeling that he's going to be all over them after a goal is scored, because that was something else that I kind of picked up on this season. It seemed like the Rangers would have weak shifts after a goal, particularly if they scored, but also a couple of times after the opponent scored. I get the feeling the amount of poor shifts immediately following a goal would also go down, because Tortorella is just not going to let you do it. And he's someone who's going to command a lot of credibility, command a lot of respect, and go in and do things his way. He's not going to be anybody's puppet. John Tortorella, if he's brought in here as the new head coach of the New York Rangers, he is going to do things 100% the John Tortorella way. He's not going to be influenced by any of us in the media, any of us in the fan base, anybody in the front office. I mean, it's been said and rumored that James Dolan is definitely a fan of John Tortorella. And really, the Rangers had no choice but to fire Tortorella. I mean, I wouldn't say they had no choice, but it seemed like the team was kind of going south a little bit maybe John Tortorella's message had gotten a little bit stale in the locker room. And I think it was just time to go in a different direction. And as we all saw, you know, A.V. came in here and led the Rangers to the first Stanley Cup final in 20 seasons. But yeah, I mean, that's one thing we definitely know about John Tortorella is that he's not going to worry about walking the company line. He's not going to be worrying about appeasing certain people. He's not even going to be worried about trying to please James Dolan. He's going to come in and do things his way. He's nobody's puppet. And so if that's what you want, if you want a coach who's headstrong and who's going to just do things the way that he thinks is the best way to do them, then maybe John Tortorella is your guy. Again, I do like him a lot more than some of the other names I've heard floated around, but he's not my top choice. And we're going to go ahead and talk about a couple of the other options in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why are often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store We sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. All right. So as promised, going to throw out a couple other names to wrap up today's episode here. And like I said, we will talk more about Jared Gallant in tomorrow's episode. Like I said, he is my top choice and I want to spend ample time talking about him and his credentials and why I think he should be the next coach of the New York Rangers. And just so there's no confusion, if it were up to me, and I've said this a couple of times in the last couple of episodes. So anybody that's been listening every day, uh, please do bear with me for just a second here, but you never know when we could have some new uh, listeners. But if we're up to me, David Quinn would still be the coach of this New York Ranger team, at least for next season. John Davidson would still be the president of this New York Ranger team, at least for next season. Jeff Gorton would still be the general manager of this New York Ranger team, at least for next season. But facts are facts. Gorton and J.D. are gone. Chris Jury is in their place, and... David Quinn is gone, and somebody else is going to be in his place. So we do have to look at these new candidates here. But one name that I want to throw out there as a little bit of a wild card, somebody who isn't really getting a ton of attention. I mean, I saw his name maybe mentioned once, but even when I saw it mentioned, it didn't really seem like uh, even the person who tossed his name out there believed that he was truly a serious candidate for the job. And that's going to be head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack, Chris Knobloch. Now, as you guys know, this past season, Knobloch, or you probably know, Knobloch Spent six games as the New York Ranger head coach, and the Rangers went four and two in those six games, including his first game as the head coach when they absolutely just destroyed the Philadelphia Flyers nine to nothing. So it seemed like uh, the team was responding to him. They played hard for him, they played well for him. It's obviously an extremely small sample size, but if you want to look at a little bit bigger of a sample size as it pertains to Chris Knobloch, we can turn our attention to the Wolfpack of the AHL. Now, Last season, and when I say last season, I mean the one in 2019-2020, the one that was shortened by the pandemic, the Hartford Wolfpack in that season went 31, 20, and 11. They were in fourth place in the Atlantic Division before the season was canceled due to COVID. And then the Wolfpack this season, 14, 9, and 1. So in two seasons, a combined record for Chris Knobloch of 45- 29 and 12 as the boss bench of the Hartford Wolfpack. That's a record of 45 wins and 41 losses. If you want to bunch the losses together, you know, the regulation losses along with the overtime losses, we did that for John Tortorella, so it's probably only fair if we do it for Chris Knobloch as well. And prior to coming to the Ranger organization and becoming head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack, Knobloch also coached the Kootenay Ice of the WHL for two seasons, uh, he had a combined record in those two seasons of 82, 47, and 15. And he won the Ed Chinawith Cup in his first year as head coach of the ice. That is given to the WHL champion. He then moves on after his two seasons with the ice to the Erie Otters of the OHL. Spent five seasons there. Record of 216, 83, and 14. So did quite a bit of winning there. He made it to the, in his five seasons there, he made it to the J. Ross Robertson Cup Finals twice. He lost in the finals in 2014-24. 15, but then won the cup in 2016, 2017, which was also his final season with the Erie Otters. After that, he was an assistant coach with the Philadelphia Flyers for two seasons. And that pretty much brings us to current day. He's been the head coach of the Hartford Wolfpack for the past two seasons. And something else that I really think that Knobloch has working in his favor is that he knows a lot of these players. A lot of these players on the Rangers spent at least some time with the Hartford Wolfpack. So if you're the Rangers and maybe you don't want to shake things up too much, Maybe he at least warrants some consideration. It should also be noted that during his tenure over these past two seasons as the head coach of the Wolfpack, Knobloch ran a very similar system to what the Rangers were running under David Quinn, which I think is great because obviously it wouldn't really make a lot of sense if your minor league team is running a radically different system than what your NHL team is running, and then when these guys get called up, they don't know what's going on, they don't know what to do, and they got to relearn an entire new style of hockey. That wouldn't make any sense. So Knobloch, you know, he's had some success pretty much everywhere he's been. I don't really know a whole ton about his personality. I mean, again, we just had the six games to watch him while he was serving as acting head coach for the New York Rangers this past season, but it does seem like guys play hard for him. It does seem like he wins everywhere he goes, and you know, one of the things that the Rangers seem to be looking for... In this search for their new head coach is they want somebody with experience, somebody with a proven track record, somebody with credentials. So that would seemingly work against Chris Knobloch simply because he hasn't coached at the NHL level, again, other than these six games that he had with the Rangers this past season. But he is young. He's just 42 years old. He does seem to be rising pretty fast through the coaching ranks. Again, he's winning everywhere he goes. And so if you're of the belief that you don't want to upset the current apple cart too much and you want the Rangers to continue to play the same style of hockey or at least a similar style of hockey that they've been playing these past few years and you don't want young players like Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco and Philip to have to learn a radically new system when they're still kind of developing as NHL players, then maybe Chris Knobloch's your guy. Again, I don't know how much consideration he's going to get from the Rangers. I think he at least deserves to interview for the position. But we'll see how the Rangers look to play it. I think Knobloch, a little bit of maybe just a dark horse candidate to become the Ranger head coach. Somebody that, you know, intrigues me, but somebody who I do not expect to ultimately get the position. All right, so we can do one more name for today, and then I figure we'll save the rest of these names for examination in a future episode, like I was talking about earlier. Just want to spend enough time on every single one of these candidates and uh, just kind of look at it from all angles. I mentioned at the top of the show when I was about to start talking about John Tortorella that, you know, Tortorella, I'll at least consider it. It is somewhat intriguing. I'm not fully on board with it, but there are some names uh, on the list of the candidates that I've seen as it pertains to potentially being the next head coach of the New York Rangers, there are some names that I like quite a bit less than John Tortorella, and this is one of them, and that's gonna be Bruce Boudreaux. I have zero interest in Bruce Boudreaux, and here's the main reason why, and this might sound like it, it's kind of a small reason or maybe, you know, I'm not seeing the big picture, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, but I mentioned earlier, talking about John Tortorella, how the Rangers and the Flyers participated in the Road to the Winter Classic, which is a mini documentary series that the NHL runs pretty much every season. It follows around the two teams that are gonna be competing against each other in that year's winter classic, and there's cameras, you know, behind the scenes. It'll follow the players out to dinner, it'll, you know, go to certain players' apartments, whatever it might be. You know, you get a just a very much behind the scenes look. You'll see players with their families, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the cameras would be there between periods in the locker room, you know, during these hockey games. And so the one scene that really stuck with me from the Road to the Winter Classic all the way back in 2011 is... It was the Capitals and the Penguins that were going to be competing in that year's Winter Classic, and Bruce Boudreaux at the time was the head coach of the Washington Capitals. And I remember him addressing his team between periods during that documentary several times, more than just once. This happened on multiple occasions. And he'd be talking to them and, you know, kind of challenging them to, you know, kind of step it up a little bit because the Capitals at the time when they first started filming for this series, they were going through a pretty bad losing streak. I think they'd lost at least like four or five games in a row. So the players were kind of down a little bit. And Boudreaux talking to these guys between periods, they just were not listening to him. Like, they were all kind of just doing their own thing. They were at their own locker, you know, doing whatever they're doing to keep themselves occupied and seemingly paying just about zero attention to anything that Bruce Boudreaux had to say. And at the time, Dan Blysma was the head coach of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And so obviously there was behind-the-scenes footage of the Penguins as well. And it was the complete polar opposite, man. It was like night and day. Whereas the Capitals are basically just completely ignoring everything that Bruce Boudreaux has to say. The Penguins are hanging on every word. They're all sitting at their locker. They're all leaning forward. They're all making eye contact with their coach. It looked like they would follow this guy into the fires of hell if he asked them to. I mean, I'm exaggerating to make the point, obviously, but you get the idea. And Bruce Boudreaux... I mean, listen, it doesn't matter. I don't care what kind of system he runs. We could talk about X's and O's. We could talk about, you know, how he's going to handle the media. We could talk about if he's going to be a puppet for James Dolan or if he'll be his own man. We could talk about all that stuff until the cows come home. But the bottom line is if you don't command the respect, you don't command the attention, you don't command the effort from your guys on a night in and night out basis, then none of that stuff really matters. No coach that doesn't have the respect and the attention of his players is going to end up taking that team anywhere. And again, this is just what I'm getting from a behind-the-scenes look at the Washington Capitals and Pittsburgh Penguins. It's something that happened 10 years ago, and for whatever it's worth to anybody, the Washington Capitals did end up defeating the Penguins in the Winter Classic that season, but I've just never been able to shake that, man. You know, I I just saw an entire group of players completely tuning out, completely ignoring their head coach, and that's not good. And I don't want a coach that's going to come in here and be the head coach of the New York Rangers and not command that attention and not command that respect. Otherwise, this team is going absolutely nowhere. And the other thing that I have working against Bruce Boudreaux, well, first, let me say something nice about him because that was a little harsh. So let me at least bring up his career track record, his career win and loss record, because it is very good. He spent five seasons as the head coach of the Washington Capitals. He spent five seasons as the head coach of the Anaheim Ducks and four seasons as head coach of the Minnesota Wild. And throughout that time, that's 984 career games as a head coach in the NHL, a record of 567 wins, 302 losses, and 115 overtime losses. And even if we combine the losses with the overtime losses, which is kind of what we've been doing throughout the show here, Boudreau has amassed a career record of 567 wins and 417 total losses. That's an outstanding record. But one other thing that I must say, you know, against Bruce Boudreaux sort of, is that his teams really tend not to perform very well in the playoffs. They tend to underperform, and he has suffered a lot of upset losses in playoff series, really throughout his head coaching tenure. His overall playoff record is 43-47. and 47. It's not that bad, but again, you look at this season by season, I'll just run through them all here. Five seasons in Washington. Here's how it went loss in the first round, loss in the second round, loss in the first round, loss in the second round, and then was fired midseason in his fifth and final season there. Then five seasons with the Ducks. Misses the playoffs, loses in the first round, loses in the second round loses in the third round. That's the farthest he's ever made it. That's the only time in his career that he's ever made it to the conference finals. But then in his final season with the Ducks, loses once again in the first round. Now, how about the Minnesota Wild? He loses in the first round. He loses in the first round again. He misses the playoffs, and then he gets fired in the middle of the season. So the complete lack of success in the playoffs, I think that's something that has to count against Boudreaux as well. It's nothing against Bruce Boudreaux, the individual. I don't have anything bad to say about him as a human being. I think he does a nice job uh, as an analyst on the NHL Network, in fact. But I can't say that I'm clamoring for the Rangers to bring in him as the next head coach of this franchise. So just my two cents. But like I said, we're just getting started. You know, we're going to continue looking at head coaching possibilities in our next episode, likely beginning with Jared Gallant, which again, he is my top choice. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.